The first reading is from the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. You have an extra bulletin back there? The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Word of God, word of life. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. The second reading is from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. 
for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. How I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. This is the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysianus, the ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. John went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight. The rough way is made smooth, and all flesh shall see the glory of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. The other day, I was in line at the grocery store looking at the magazines, when a publication I'd never seen before caught my eye. Prepper. Since it's sold in grocery stores, you might think Prepper magazine is for people who chop vegetables and make broth. Turns out it's not. Prepper claims to help people be better prepared for emergencies large and small. And if the covers are any indication, emphasis on large. The culture of prepping is easy to make fun of. It has more to do with masculinity than with safety. Why check the batteries in your fire alarm when you could just build a bunker? But it's useful in that it makes something explicit. You prepare by acquiring, gathering, stockpiling. And even if we don't buy into the prepper lifestyle wholeheartedly, it's easy to take that assumption for granted. 
We prepare for the future by gathering. Now, maybe we don't stock up on knives and Joe Rogan podcasts, but we have an extra supply of canned beans and toilet paper stashed away somewhere just in case. And we don't just gather physical resources, but emotional ones too. When we're going into a stressful situation, we load up on affirmation and compliments from others to shore up our feeling of self-worth. We prepare for the future by getting. And so when John the Baptist tells us to prepare the way of the Lord this Advent season, we might hear it as another invitation to go out and get more resources, to load up on schedules, to check off on tasks. When Jesus arrives, we are going to be up to our ears in frankincense and myrrh. Which is why today's reading from Malachi is so important. Malachi tells us to prepare, but to prepare in a different way. Now this book, which we don't hear from often, is one of the oldest, meaning the last to be written, books in the Old Testament. It's written as the Israelites are coming back from their exile experience in rebuilding their city and their society. And one of the things they have to rebuild is the temple. And so this reading is the prophet advising the people how they need to prepare for God to re-enter the temple. And there are two strange things about this call to prepare. The first one, Malachi says, is that preparations need to be made, but that people can't prepare by gathering more resources. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. In Bob Alter's translation of this, which is better, it puts the key section this way. Who can bear the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like smelter's fire and like the launderer's lie. Smelter's fire, launderer's lie. Those are processes not of gathering, but of removal, refinement. Fire removes ore to get metal. Lie removes stains to get garments clean. Malachi says we prepare to encounter God not by acquiring more and more, but by stripping away what's no longer life-giving and what's getting in the way of what's really important. In the case of these priests who are in the temple, that probably means an inflated sense of worth built on social status. For you to meet God, Malachi says, you need to drop the self-righteousness. You need to give up the idea that your vocation is here mostly to serve your own desires, ego, and interests. And we might ask the same question of ourselves. What do we need to remove or get rid of to get ready for Christ dwelling among us? Let me give you some options here. It could be resentment that serves mostly to make us feel superior to other people. It might be our belief that we can find security and wealth and property. It might be an indifference or inattention to creation that sustains our lives. For others of us, including me, it might be our belief that the world's problems are always caused by other people, and that life would be on earth the way it is in heaven if everyone else was just more like me. That's not as much fun as preparing by gathering. Imagine how well Prepper Magazine would sell 
if it said the key to avoiding disasters wasn't stocking up on chickpeas, but going to therapy and learning how to apologize? Probably not as well. Preparing by removal, the smelter's fire, the launderer's lie isn't always a pleasant experience. But Malachi tells us that it's necessary. What prevents us from encountering Christ among us isn't a lack of resources, but a belief that we have no capacity for growth or transformation beyond what we immediately find comfortable or convenient. Which is why Malachi's second reversal is so important. This preparation isn't something you do on your own. It's something that God does. In today's reading, the grammar is a little unclear whether it's God or God's messenger who does the preparing, but the point is, it's definitely not you. If you're a priest who's trying to figure out how to prepare to encounter God in the temple, Malachi says that God will prepare you for that experience. You will have what you need, or you won't have what you don't need. And you don't have to be a priest in the temple to find that reassuring because our plans and preparations are only good up to a certain point. You think of every possible situation you'll have to encounter and prepare for, and then what happens? Well, something that you didn't plan or prepare for. If my ability to live out my vocation depends solely on my ability to have every single contingency planned out, well, I'm gonna have an issue. To use the prophet's phrase, who can stand? Who can endure? Everyone feels prepared for life until they start living it. And so instead of stepping out into the world with binders full of preparations that will get us ready to encounter God, Malachi suggests that we step into the world trusting that God has equipped us with what we need to be faithful to our calling. And God prepares us not by loading us up with plans and tasks, but clearing away the brush that keeps us from being transformed and growing into the love of God. It's a different type of preparation than we're used to. It's not a task to fulfill. It's not an event to schedule. It's not a thing to get. It's an invitation to transformation and renewal. In Christ, God meets us not simply at the end, but along the way. The smelter's fire, the launderer's lie. Christ shines through the waste of our wraths and sorrows and reveals the very heart of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Let's join the church around the world confessing our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Your mercy is great. Amen. And may the peace of the Lord be with you always and also with you. Uh, thank you, Jody Anderson. You're going to hang with me for a bit. Just, just hang out here. 
and not in judgment. Draw us from hatred to love. Make the frailty of our praise a dwelling place for your glory. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes to judge the world in righteousness. And so with all the choirs of the angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. O God, triune, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Over the eons, your merciful might evolved our home, a fragile tree of life. Here by your wisdom are life and death, growth and decay, nest and hunt, sunshine and storm, darkness and light. O God, triune, you took on our flesh in Christ, our healer. In Jesus, you bring life from death. So we remember his cross, we laud his resurrection. For broken like bread, he enlivens our body, and poured out like wine, he fills the earth with goodness. We praise you for the heart of Christ, filled with love for this earth. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. O God, triune, you create the world, uphold the living, and embrace the dead. Send forth your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Strengthen us for our journey with this meal, the body and blood of Christ. Give us a future that trusts in you and cares for this earth. For empowered by your promises, we rise from our deaths to praise you again. Amen.
gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. This is the body of Christ given for you and the blood of Christ shed for you.
evil. By the Spirit's power, form us to be bearers of your world, sharing gifts of mercy and grace with all. Through Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. the assembly to have a seat as we open things up for announcements at this time. I'm going to call Amanda up in a second, so we'll get there. Uh, does anyone have anything they want to share? Yes, okay. We have outside after church, there are, there's coffee, there's Martinelli's. Uh, feel free to have some uh, drinks and chat with each other. There is gift wrapping books for kids at the nurturing place. That's in the fellowship hall. Uh, please, obviously, keep the food outside. Food outside, gift wrapping inside. Uh, I also want to let you know two community updates. Uh, Melissa Rizzo is asking for uh, prayers for her father who entered hospice care this week, uh, who has cancer, and Helga Persky has asked me to uh, communicate her thanks to you. She finished a cancer treatment last week, uh, and so she's glad to be done with that. She thanks everyone who's reached out to her and supported her in that. And that is all I have. It's now my pleasure to introduce, we have the 
supreme, extraordinary friend of the congregation, Amanda Nissi, is here. Amanda has been here, I think this is your third visit. I, I call other people. Amanda always returns my phone calls, and so that's why she's back. <laughs> Amanda is the CEO and president of Bergen Volunteer Medical Initiative, which is a nonprofit that provides uh, health care for the working uninsured in Bergen County. They received a grant from us in 2019 for their women's health program, and one in 2020 when they pivoted to telehealth uh, during COVID. So Amanda, we're so glad to have you here today. She has literature on the welcome table, so on your way out, uh, feel free to grab some of that. And are you free to talk after the service for a bit if people want to? Yep. Good, that's great. All right, thank you, Amanda. We're so glad you're here. Yes, okay, there we go. Uh, well, this is a first for me. I have never spoken from the pulpit, so. I, anyway, thank you for having me, good morning. Um, as Pastor Joseph said, I'm Amanda Missy. I am the CEO of Bergen Volunteer Medical Initiative in Hackensack. And um, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about what we do, what we've been doing for the past ugh, 20 months, 21 months, it keeps going forward. Um, and then um, tell you where we're going in 2022 and 2023 if everything cooperates. Um, first, I want to thank the members of the congregation, there are several people in here who support BVMI with their gifts. And also, um, as, as Pastor Joseph mentioned, we've gotten two grants from the endowment. So we are very, very grateful for that. We are a private nonprofit. We are supported by donations from generous individuals, um, corporations, foundations, and every little bit helps because it makes the difference in a, the life of someone. So I'm wondering if you know that there are thousands of people in Bergen County who are unseen and underserved. Um, and these are people that you might only notice when they're not there. They're people who work in low-paying jobs, um, often putting them at great risk because they're also frontline jobs. But they're people like um, the server in your favorite restaurant or your grandchild's caregiver, your your husband's caregiver, um, uh, the Uber driver. So these are people that are working to help make our lives easier. Um, and a lot of times they get paid really crummy wages and many of them don't have health care. So that's where BVMI steps in. We provide free health care to people who are working low income so they can earn up to about $36,000 a year, which isn't much if you you live in Bergen County, so you know that's not much money. Um, and they don't have health insurance. So if BVMI wasn't here to serve them, they would not get health care. Uh, they would, even if they had chronic conditions like diabetes, a lot of people who walk into us for the first time have had some kind of a chronic condition for many years. They haven't had it treated. And by the time that they get to us, they could be really, really sick. Um, if they don't find us, people go to the emergency room to get care, and that would be for things like an earache or a toothache or you know, something that's not really emergency room, uh, that doesn't need emergency room treatment. So BVMI is there to help them. Um, we, let's say March of 2020, kind of turned things up down for, upside down for us like it did for everybody sitting out there. 
Uh, the middle of March last year, when COVID became apparent, we shut our doors to patients. Uh, I and one of my employees were the only people that went to work for four months. Everybody else worked remotely. And in the space of about two months, or two months, two weeks, it felt like two months, but it was two weeks, uh, we actually created and operationalized a telehealth program so that we could continue to take care of people. Now in that two week interim, um, we fielded about 1,100 phone calls from people. Um, our patients generally didn't know anything about how to, I mean, none of us knew a lot, but they didn't know about social distancing, they didn't know about masking. They, um, a lot of our patients live in very tiny apartments, houses, with lots of other people. So, you know, one person could get COVID and it just, it ripped through the entire household. So there was a lot of patient education, um, we were refilling prescriptions for people. We were talking to people who were symptomatic or whose fa you know, family member was sick. Anyway, those first couple of months were just crazy. But what telehealth did, and that's one of the things that the church has supported, is it allowed us to continue taking care of people even if we couldn't see them in person. Um, most of the people who provide healthcare in BVMI are volunteers and many of them are older. So in addition to you know, getting information and care to our patients, it also allowed us to keep our volunteers safe because many of them are in high-risk categories. So fast forward to um, June, I guess, we reopened our doors, started seeing a limited number of patients. We did it very slowly. We wanted to make sure that people could socially, be socially distant. Um, you know, we didn't, we took, <laughs> we used to have about 24 chairs in our waiting room. We took out all but six. We've got directional signs on the floors. You know, we did everything we could to keep people healthy, but we needed to get people back into the office so that our doctors could basically put hands on them and provide the health care they needed. Um, we went along like that until November when the numbers got really high again. We closed down. We just did telehealth, although we kept our staff in the office. Opened back up this spring. We have fortunately been able to remain open. Um, so we're finding a couple of things this year. One is that we had about 1,500 patients when we originally shut down uh, in March of 2020. We're down to about 1,200, and that's for a couple of reasons. Um, we haven't been able to accept new patients since the pandemic started. It takes a lot of face-to-face -to, -face to get new patients onboarded. Um, and it just hasn't felt safe to us. Plus we had a lot of other people to, that were already patients to provide care for. Um, so our patient numbers have gone down. The other thing that we're finding is a lot of patients who were eligible for um, unemployment insurance actually got Medicaid. So they have healthcare for right now. We have, we have suspicions that those people will be back to us like later this year or next year when they're no longer receiving unemployment because there was a reason that they weren't eligible for Medicaid to begin with, probably because they were making too much money. But for now, they have good health care coverage through Medicaid. Um, so what we're going to start doing in January, we are going to start taking new patients again. I'm thrilled to, to be able to report that. Um, we actually took a little bit of additional space in our office building. So we have a dedicated eligibility office. So that eases up on some of the the space constraints that we had. 
Um, so we are fully anticipating that we will go up to about, um, probably about 1,400 patients next year. So we will be close to where we were pre-pandemic. Our visit numbers are coming up. We are, telehealth has actually been a real blessing for us uh, because <laughs> before the pandemic, there wasn't enough parking. There weren't enough seats for people. There weren't enough computers. We were really, really crowded. So what telehealth does, allow, it allows us to expand our capacity without expanding physical space. So we will be able to do more visits and see more people because we have this combination of, of in-office in, uh, in visits and telehealth. Um, I have so much to tell you and I don't wanna miss anything. Oh, one of the things that we're doing, um, we got a grant from the National Hispanic Family Alliance to do some vaccine clinics. So earlier in November, we did a flu clinic and had about 75 people get flu shots. And then next Saturday and a Saturday in January, we are doing a COVID clinic to try and get some of our patients who haven't yet been vaccinated, vaccinated. Um, and we've got about 110 people, like we thought it was gonna be really hard. We have about 110 people who are coming to this first COVID clinic. So we're doing everything we can to keep our patients healthy. Um, what else? Uh, we are accepting new patients, vaccine clinics, 2023, actually, something really cool is happening. Um, I believe that we are going to be opening a new satellite clinic in Garfield. Um, and it's gonna be part of a wellness center. So uh, we will be in there. The Garfield Department of Health will be in there. CBH Care, which is one of the mental health organizations in Bergen County, is going to be there. And Community Food Bank will be there. So we'll still have our clinic in Hackensack. So now we'll be able to see a lot more patients. Southern Bergen County is really underserved in terms of healthcare. So it's gonna give people an option for healthcare. And you know, if we find out when we're talking to the patient that they don't have food, we can literally walk them over to Community Food Bank, get them signed up, get them food. Um, as you know, mental health for pretty much everyone has kind of taken a beating during the pandemic. Um, we are finding that is very, very true with our patients. Um, so if somebody has a mental health need, we can walk them to CBH care and they can get an appointment and see somebody to help them. So that's really exciting news because we, we want to help as many people. There are literally thousands of people in Bergen County who don't have health care. So we, we're just chipping away at a little bit of it, but this will allow us to do more. Um, the other thing that happened during the pandemic, well actually right before the pandemic, February 2020, we hired a part-time case manager, Rosa, um, and about 10 days later, everything shut down. Now Rosa's job is to help address what's called social determinants of health. Now you may not know this, but only about 20% of your health is actually attached to healthcare, like going to the doctor. The other 80% is dependent on either the zip code you were born into or the one that you're living in now. So it, it looks at things like food security. Do you have enough food? Do you know where your next meal is coming from? Uh, rent and utility, like do you have enough money to pay 
those bills and keep yourself in a safe house where you're warm or you're cool. Um, education, uh, many of our patients are immigrants, so they don't, you know, lang uh, uh, English isn't their first language. So getting ESL classes so they can learn to speak English. So um, there are a lot of uh, employment. There's so many things that fall under this category, transportation, childcare. So we hired Rosa to work with our patients to help them with that. Well, as you might imagine, she was overwhelmed just a few days into her job. Um, many, many, many of our patients lost their jobs. Uh, and, and as I mentioned, many were sick. So um, Rosa did an awful lot. She was 20 hours a week for 2021 and she's now full time. And what she's getting to do now She's working with fewer patients because we're kind of past that like immediate crisis. Um, so she's working with fewer patients, but she's working with them much more intensively. So for instance, um, we have a patient named Sandra and she and her husband were both patients at BVMI. Um, and then he passed away right before their third child was born. Which, so you, you know, imagine living in poverty, um, she was working about three different jobs. Her husband died of long-term alcoholism. So she, she had a really rough life. And then her husband died right before the baby was born. And um, she, she didn't know what she was gonna do. I mean, how was she gonna you know, raise three children by herself? Um, she didn't make very much money. And so Rosa knows about survivor's benefits and was able to help Sandra apply for survivor's benefits. So now she gets like $800 a child, which again, $2,400 a month to support a family of four people in Burton County is not nearly enough, but it's at least better than nothing. Um, she's helped her connect with sources for food, um, education. So she's really been able to dig deeply and help Sandra with what's going on with her. So Rosa is now full-time and working to help our patients you know, figure out how they can, how they can survive and thrive. So um, I think that's all I want to tell you. If you guys have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Um, we, we so, first of all, I appreciate you having me here this morning and listening to me, um, but I really support, I really appreciate the support of the church and of the individual parishioners in here who have supported BBMI. So thank you and Merry Christmas. Thank you, Amanda. I invite the assembly to stand and receive the blessing. Now is the time to wake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. May Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Prepare the way. Thanks be to God.